0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know, we were singing, uh, I'm one with you, and the verse the Lord just kept saying to my heart is 1 Corinthians 6 17. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You know what's so beautiful about that? He says, He who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with who? With the Lord, with him. And it's on the spiritual levels. So, why is that important? Because there are times that you may not feel that you're one with the Lord emotionally. There's times you may not feel one with the Lord physically. Are you tracking with me? But he said, on the authority of the word, we are one with him. He who's joined himself to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. That's awesome. That's so encouraging. I'm so excited to have everyone here brave this rough weather, <laughs> the... the uh, beautiful snow. Thank you, Jesus, for snow. So blessed to have Josh and Emily back from London. Come on. And as we were worshiping, Josh said he felt like the Lord had a word, so I'm going to let him share that. And then we'll jump in and see where the Lord wants to go.
1: Um, No, what I heard was uh, God said he wanted to take the dreams off the shelf. And And that there was... He took me into uh, Genesis 1-3, and it says, God said. And the thing he kept speaking to me was that God's been speaking to people. He's been giving them words. He's been prophesying over them. He's been speaking into them. And every time that God speaks it, he gives the the ability to do it. Um, you take it in Genesis, and that's what he did. He spoke, and then light came. He spoke, and then there was a split between the waters. So I just felt like God was really... That was something that he wanted to do is he wanted people to start picking things off of the shelf. Um, in that, this was the thing that was really cool, that I, I looked through Genesis and he says, God said eight times, and the number eight represents a new, Begin- a new beginning, yeah. um, a new order, or the born-again experience. So God was saying that every time he spoke something to you, he spoke life into you, he spoke that new thing into you. And, and you had a starting of a new point. And so you don't look back and say, well, I'm just not capable. You say, yes, I am capable because God spoke it. He gave me the precedence to move forward into it, so now I can do it.
0: Yeah. Amen. That's good. Um, there's several things the Lord has put on my heart. And last week I talked about Abraham. And I talked about how when God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, it was his breath. It was, this, it was his breath that was added to abram to took him from high father that was what the name abram meant high father to abraham which meant father of many nations and we talked about how in that the picture that we saw in that is abram he when he first told the covenant with abraham he said you know look at the dust everywhere you you look down you see the dust he said that's my covenant that's what your descendants are going to be and then when he changed his name to abraham he said, look up to the stars, and all the stars that you see. He said, that's, the cov- that's what your descendants are going to be like. Man, that's just amazing. So everywhere Abraham looked, and we, got, we have to understand, as I said, that what they walked in was dirt <laughs> all the time. So when he looked down, he saw dirt. God saying, that's, that's what your descendants are going to be like. That's the covenant that I'm making with you. And uh, I talked about Abraham, and I talked about how how Abraham tried to make this covenant happen, right? His wife said, look, I'm Sarah said, I'm childless. Take my handmaid. You can go in with her and you can have a son. And he did. And that son's name was Ishmael. And it was 13 years that Abraham, it was between him and the Lord was quiet. And at the end of that 13 years is when the Lord told Abraham, he said, uh, you're going to have a son, not this son, but you're going to have a son, the son of covenant, the son of promise. And he said, when this son is born, he, he tells him about this is the one that will be like the stars. And I talked last week, uh, it's amazing how the Lord will set you up. It's amazing how the Lord... And I said, in Isaac and Ishmael, we have the, the, the war that we see now between the Jewish uh, Jewish believers and, well, between Jews and Gentiles and the Muslim religion. Uh, Ishmael is the father of the Muslim religion. And uh, I talked about that. That was something that Abraham birthed. But God even told, he told uh, Hagar, he said, this son of yours, he'll be, he'll be a mighty, uh, he'll have a kingdom and all that too, without going back and reading in Genesis. He said, this man, he's going to be mighty, but he'll always serve the other. Anyway, I'm saying that for a purpose. Bear with me. So this week uh, at, at Pastor's Prayer, when we, we meet on Thursdays with other pastors. And when we met this, this uh, Thursday, one of the pastors, at, he's an interim pastor down in Fayetteville. And uh, he's from here, but he's in Fayetteville uh, f- from a Presbyterian church. And it's amazing how the Lord works because in this Presbyterian church that he's in, it's half Korean and half American, and Tim is all American, <laughs> And uh, he has a Korean pastor that pastors the, the Korean side of the church. But inside of this church, there is a woman who is from Indonesia. She's married to an African man, and she was Muslim. Now she's Christian. And inside of this Korean church, they have an outreach to Muslims. That makes perfect sense, right? Uh, so this Tim, he met this gentleman uh, there because he came to a Bible study that this, this lady, Corrine... I think her name, Karina. She was a Muslim, got born again, and she has a Bible study, and more Muslims come to her Bible study than Christians do. Well, this gentleman that I met, his name is Matt. He is a missionary to Indonesia, and he, he ministers predominantly to the Muslims in Indonesia. Uh, but when he's here on the States on furlough, he travels to all the mosques, and he meets with the Amman, and he loves only Aman. Yeah, I'm going to let that soak in a minute. And he began to tell us some things that in our area, in the Guilford County area, Guilford, Alamance County, there are 30,000 Muslims. Other countries, Syria, Pakistan, I think even some from, uh, I don't know about Africa, but I know Syria and Pakistan, they, are, they sponsor young people, Muslims, to come over and go to a t University. But when these people come over, they, they are totally ignorant of how things work in America, of, of simple things. One of the things that he talked about is that when he was meeting with the Amman in Greensboro just last, this past week, he said they had a woman who would come over, a young girl who would come over, and her gas bill was $900. So they went with her, and they asked her, Why, how in the world could your gas bill be $900? If there's a leak that big, something would have blown up, Right. But he said that in her custom, where she's from, when it gets hot in the house, you open the windows. She didn't understand the concept of a thermostat. So she would open the windows, it would be cold outside, she would open the windows and the heat just continuously ran for a month and it was $900 and he said the reason that she came up the Muslim sponsor cinema, the reason she's connected to the Muslim church she said because there's a brotherhood among the Muslims no matter what country they come from when they come here they can connect with the mosque and the mosque will help them and as I was listening that tears begin to well in my eyes as I thought that's Ishmael's kids and they know how to take care of one another and, and this guy said, the issue in, um, in America that he sees, he said, the church in America has become all about me. Christianity has become all about me. It's a me religion that I'm going to go where's best for me. And if, if we are me here and they are not me there, then we don't do us. And my heart was breaking as he was talking and he was saying that, the thing that they have is brotherhood. And he began to say, the only thing that's going to win, the Muslims. And he said, he said just, and I'm not saying this is 100%, just, so, just to give a grid. He said, but the majority, high percentage, the majority of the, the radical Islams are converts into Islam. They're not people who've been brought up in the Muslim religion. Because the people who have been brought up in the Muslim religion have been told about a God that they have no personal relationship with. He said, you'll never win a, a Muslim by arguing with them. You know how you win a Muslim? By loving them and sharing your testimony with them. And as he was saying this, I was just like, man, this is crazy. And Jesus took me to John chapter 13. John 13, verse 31 So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. Verse 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And as I'm listening to this guy talk, and he said, I, I want you to understand, he said, I was brought up in a denomination, and he said it was a very uh, strict religious denomination. And he said, I started studying Islam so that I would know how to argue with them. And he said, As I got into it and began to talk with Muslims, he said, I was almost converted. And one of the pastors said, So, would you say there's a demonic influence on it? And he said, Absolutely. I didn't say on Muslims. I said, on a false religion. And he said, the thing that intrigues them and the thing that draws them in is when they see genuine love, because he said this past year at Thanksgiving, he said his family, he was in stateside, his family was preparing a Thanksgiving meal, and Amon, I don't know if it was from Greensboro or from Fayetteville, over a mosque, said, hey, would you come have Thanksgiving with us? So he took his family, his wife and his, I think, three kids, and they went and they had uh, Thanksgiving with this guy. And he said, you need to understand when you're reaching out to them, they're going to try to convert you. That's what's going to happen. He said, but you stand your ground. You don't argue with them, but you talk about Jesus and you let them know who Jesus is to you, because he said the the thing in his experience, and he's he's full time in Indonesia dealing with predominantly with Muslims, and he's he's uh, having huge success. And he said, what's doing it is loving them. Now, and see, we are so we the enemy has so twisted our mindset to think that if we love somebody, then it means that we're condoning where where they are. That is not true. That's a lie that the enemy has sold to Christians, to cause them to be cautious. When Jesus said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. We'll just start in the house, in the church, if we love one another. Like, like I saw him give illustration of what the Muslims do at the mosque when someone comes in. And he said, so they're overwhelmed with these, <clears throat> all these young people coming in who have no idea about our culture or how things work here. And he said, you watch. He said, go to the mall. And it's so true. And God began to wreck me with this. He said, you go to the mall, any shopping center, and you watch a woman. He said, you watch any man, any, anybody. When someone comes in, they'll be courteous. They'll smile. We're in the south, right? We're not up north. We're in the south. People actually look at you. Right? They don't look down. They don't look up. They actually make eye contact with you. It's amazing. You're in the South. Thank God. I think Jesus is going to... I'm just kidding. <laughs> They'll do that. He said, but you watch. He said, if, so, if a woman comes in with a rap, he said, people will look the other way or either snarl or look at them and just shake their head. And he said, we're the ones who are supposed to have love We're the ones who are supposed to have light. Light supersedes darkness. Right? Light supersedes. He said, you know why we don't minister to Muslims? He said, it's simple. It's this. It's something Jesus dealt with, but it's something the church is bound up in. It's fear. He said, the reason we don't is we're afraid of them. I've seen it. I've seen it plague our churches in America. Fear. I was in youth ministry and I began to reach out to Goths. Kids with black fingernails, men, young boys who would wear, I don't understand it. All black and wore a black skirt. I know why he did it. Because the people in the church we were in, he could just walk in, without had to say anything, and they would go. Freak out! I mean, lose their mind. Freak. Oh, look, oh, what is that? What's Todd done? He's brought the devil to church. (laughs) But this kid, they would let me speak into them. I would drive to Mebane to pick them up. I sold my car and bought a Mazda MPV. That's a minivan. (laughs) Am I telling the truth? They at church make fun of me, and call me the minivan man. I didn't care. I saw these kids that were involved in Wiccan they were involved. And I was in a denominational church. It was before I knew what I know now about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. I was starting to touch it. I was so hungry for it. I knew that light was stronger than darkness. So I would pick these kids up, and they, they didn't look normal. And I watched. I, if Wherever I sat with the kids, I could clear out a section. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? If we all went in and sit two or three rows from the back, it was like you would walk in the church and there was three sections in the church. We sat right here. It would be no one. I could get people to sit up front. <laughs> all I had to do is move in on them. They were afraid that darkness was going to infect light and fear set in. And it, it Had I not had the relationship with I had with the pastor, they would have probably ran me out of church. Just being honest. And that's not being self-righteous. I'm just being honest. And the, the driving force behind every bit of it was fear. Was fear. And I look and I and I think love, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love never fails. Love never fails that never fades out, it never gives up, it never quits. Love never fails. And as I begin to ponder that, I'm thinking, you know, it's not just the Muslims who want to see love. There's people hurting who come to church and who will try it out. And when they come in, they're not greeted, they're ignored. I'm not talking about here, just to ease so everybody's comfortable. And we wonder, why why doesn't the world want what we have? And Jesus said, what you have to offer them is love. Again, love, accepting them where they are, is not validating a lifestyle or a belief system. It's saying, I can love you where you are so that you can see the reality of who Jesus is because he's the one who can change you, not me. Right? So as I looked at that and and I thought about uh, what I see is a lack, not judging. But what I see as as a lack in the, in the body of Christ, not just in not at the river, but in the body of Christ, is there's these two things. There's this where love has become an emotion, not a person, and fear has become more real more real than truth. So we allow fear to, to, we fashion our life with fear instead of with the truth of the Word of God. And as I was pressing into this, and I was, I was thinking about, uh, you know, when God gave this covenant to Abraham, you know what's so amazing about God? When man messes up, it doesn't knock God off, right? He's all, he always has a plan. So it doesn't knock God off when man does his thing apart from God, when, Ab- when Adam Sin, Revelation 13, uh, says that Jesus is the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the earth. And as I began to meditate on that truth, and that we talked last week about covenant, and that lamb, it speaks covenant. Do you understand that? That even the first murder that took place, you know why it took place? Because one brought a lamb and one brought produce. And you see a progression in the body that was there that... uh, Abel brought a lamb for himself. The next time we see a lamb brought, it was the lamb was brought for a family at the Passover. And then we go from the lamb being brought for a family to every year Israel would have the Passover and the Lamb was for the nation. And then Jesus came, and he's the lamb for the world. Isn't that beautiful? God told Abraham, he said, I will establish a covenant between you. Genesis 17, 7, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. Listen to this, to be God to you and your descendants after you. He said, I'll be a God to you and to your descendants after you. He is our God, and greater is he than any other false god. He's the only one true and living God. And he said this, by, all, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you do what? If you love. If you love. So I began to meditate. Do you know? Do you, do you know that the the only writer of the gospels that revealed Jesus as the Lamb of God is the is the revelator. In John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, verse 29, this is a different John. John the Baptist and John the author of the book of John and 1st uh, through 3rd John and Revelation are two different Johns. I hope I don't mess anybody up this morning. But they're two different Johns. John the Baptist and John the Revelator who wrote the book of Revelation, who wrote John the Gospel. They're two different people. Remember, John the Baptist's head was cut off. it been hard for him to be exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Everybody okay? Everybody with me? I just want to make sure because I'm getting ready to reference John the Baptist. John the Baptist in John 1.29 says, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the what? Of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We see God institute the sacrifice of an innocent lamb. And even at the Passover, what that lamb had to be was spotless. It was brought into the house and it lived with the family so they could watch it, take care of it, make sure there were no blemishes with it. It was that lamb that the father had to slay. It was that lamb that he would lay his hands on and his sin would be conferred on the lamb and the innocence of the lamb would be conferred on him and he would be called righteous. I've said before, I'll say again, when the lamb was brought to the high priest, they didn't examine the bringer, they examined the lamb. So when we come, you know, we say, "Uh, you know, you're one of those churches, this greasy grace, you believe everybody's holy, everybody's righteous, only because the Bible says so. A lot of people don't let the Bible get in the way of what they believe. They think they're just an old rotten sinner. Then get saved. Because Ephesians says that we're born again in true righteousness and holiness. That's how we are right now. Why? Because the Lamb is spotless. The Lamb, our Lamb, is the only one that was crucified, that died, that was sacrificed and rose again. The only one. And he's ours. He's ours. In, in Hebrews, wow, do you have your seatbelt on? <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrificing, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. This is Jesus. See, God wasn't into killing lambs. God was into Redemption. God was into restoration of relationship. So when the lamb was slain, man was in right relationship with God because a price was paid. Blood was shed to pay the price. Revelation 13 says, he is the lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. It goes so far to say it pleased the father to bruise him. You know why? Because he knew that the end result was that we would be brought into the family. So we can bring others into the family. He said, but a body you have prepared for me. So I was was thinking about the lamb. I was thinking about coven. We're not finished with with John. I'm I'm convinced the Lord has been teaching me. We have written off the book of Revelation to be all about in times. When what revelation is really about is revealing the Lamb of God. The word Lamb, L A M B, capital, in reference to Jesus is used 28 times in the New Testament, 26 are in the book of Revelation. Can you see why the enemy has said, stay away from the book of Revelation? It's confusing. Stay away. There's all this typology and imagery that we don't understand. There's beasts, and they got seven eyes and six wings and seven horns and all that stuff. It makes no sense, buddy. I'm telling you, stay away. You know why? Because it's a revelation of the Lamb. It's a revelation of who Jesus is. We can get caught up and we pre-, post-, mid-, when are we coming out? When are we going out? When are we going? Are we going up? Are we going to be here? What? We get so caught up in that, we lose sight of the lamb. It's about the lamb. The whole book is about the lamb from the beginning to the end. It's about the lamb who paid a price for a bride. And when we lose sight of the lamb, we've lost sight of what it's all about. When we lose sight of the lamb, and I believe God chose a lamb because of the innocence, because of the beauty, the bright white coat that they have. I, I was talking with someone yesterday. And I said, I've told you this before. I thank God I'm not God on several levels. But on this one real personal level, I said, I am thank God I'm not God because everybody would go to hell. Because in my natural ability, I couldn't kill my daughter for you. If that offends you, I'm sorry. Pray for me. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. (laughs) But God, it said it pleased him to bruise his son, to crush his son. Why? Because he knew in sowing a son, he would reap a family. And when I look at the price he paid, the Lamb of God. I mean, do you understand when they brought the Lamb, I'm not trying to get graphic. I'm not trying to do anything but just tell you, we need to understand the price that was paid for us. So that we can love beyond ourselves. So it's not all about me. So that we can reach beyond us to reach the others who are hurting and dying and lost and really need him. But they would take this lamb. I can't imagine the lamb would stay in the house. You know, if there's an animal in the house, kids are going to play with it. And the lamb was in the house. They had to take care of the lamb, make sure there was no blemishes, no spots, nothing like that. They couldn't couldn't go out and go, let's find the lamb that's lame because we can't do much with him anyway. The one that's sick and all withered up, going to die anyway. Let's just give that. No, he said, I want the spotless one. Why? Because God's greedy that way? No, because it was all pointing to His Son. And they had that lamb, and they took care of that lamb, and they would go, and they would have to slit the lamb's throat. That hurts me to think about it. They would have to slit the lamb's throat, and they're bright white, and blood's not white. And the blood would flow. And it was the blood that paid the price that covered the sin. It was on that Passover that they slit the throat of the lamb and they caught the blood in a bowl and they took the hyssop and they put it on the top and they dipped it and they put it on the sides of the door. What what is that a picture of? It's a picture of the cross. It's a picture of the cross. Everything that God was doing, he was pointing to the lamb of God that had already given up his life for us so that we can live. He's so worthy. And the enemy has tricked us to lose sight of the Lamb. He's tricked us to lose sight of the Lamb to where we'll put off this book. The Lamb of God. Revelation. I don't don't know how much I want to read. You you ever notice we use this scripture a lot when uh, Jesus is. In uh, the first three chapters of Revelation, he's dealing with the churches, the seven churches. and uh, You know, we use this a lot for, for unsaved people, but Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know he's writing to? We use it for unbelievers, and Jesus is going, You missed it. <whistles> Hey, you missed it. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. I want you to understand, I'm knocking, I'm knocking at the door, and if you'll open up, why do we close? One fear, protection, we close our door, separation, He's knocking, He's knocking, He wants in, He wants into our lives. He wants in so that He can shine brightly in us and through us. So, verse, chapter 4, verse 1, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne sat in heaven, and one sat on the throne. This is speaking of the Father. And he who sat, on the, uh, who sat there was like jasper and Sardis, Sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in the appearance like an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes. And they, they had crowns of gold on their head. These 24, I believe, are... the. 12 tribes, leaders of the 12 tribes, and the, and the 12 apostles. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like a, like a calf, the third creature had a face of a man, and the fourth was like the... That of a flying eagle. Isn't that amazing? Not just an eagle, a flying eagle. Verse 8, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest night, say, uh, day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders... <laughs> Fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by you will they exist and were created. Can you see why the enemy wants you to stay out of here? around this throne just get the picture and I can't imagine what John was going through trying to articulate trying to put into words what he was seeing and around the throne there's thunderings and there's lightnings and it looks like a diamond that sparkles but there's a rainbow like an emerald that makes perfect sense right absolutely paint that next week somebody Chapter 5, and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? Listen, and no one in heaven, no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept. Much. Because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look it. Look at it. Look at verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, ha, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Now, I didn't know this until Tish told me. This is the only place he's referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah. We always talk about the lion of the tribe of Judah. You know why? Because a lion seems majestic, and it is. A lion is not afraid of any, Proverbs says. It doesn't back down before any. That's who he is. The lions roar. I don't care how big. The biggest animal in the jungle trembles when the lion roars. I heard someone teaching the other day, and I can't remember who it was, but they said... The lion is not the biggest animal. He just thinks he is. So he roars that way. But he said here, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Look. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. When you pray and you feel like no one hears, he doesn't just hear, he's got them. He has them. He doesn't just, does he hear? He doesn't just hear them, he collects them. They're not lost. Verse 9, and they sang a new song. Say, how about that? They sang a new song, not a rehearsed song. They sang a new song. When? When the lamb, he came in like a lion. But they saw him as the lamb. Why? Because the lamb offered up his life. The lion will take what he wants because he's majestic and he's powerful. The lamb gave everything he had. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal for you were slain And have redeemed us to God. How? By your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So, who did he do it for? For just the good Christian folks in good old America? For just the bush people in Africa? No, for everyone. For the Muslims. For the radical Muslims. That's what what Paul could have been described as. Not a radical Muslim, but as a radical. Because he was doing the same thing. He was killing what he thought was infidels. But he, he had an encounter with light. And it cleared up all this darkness. Come on. Every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And listen to this. And this is what they declared. And have made us kings and priests to our God. No longer servants, kings and priests. That's the way he sees us now. Kings and priests. And we will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. The number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. You got that? He said, you couldn't number them all. So don't just try to do the math because he said thousands of thousands. What happened when the lamb reached out and took the scroll? Everyone sang a new song and they began to rejoice. Why? Because that was hope. That there was one worthy who had paid with his blood. That those things wouldn't be closed. That this that his hand wouldn't be closed to us. And you think, well, you're getting ahead. Well, those scrolls, you know what happened when they opened that book, boy. It won't purty. It was all redemption. It was him saying, this is the price I paid, and this is what happens for those who didn't receive that price. But it was the lamb. It was the lamb who was worthy. And as it says, thousands and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, say, if you think our worship's loud, you better be thankful you can get a glorified body when you get to heaven because you'd be very miserable. Now, just what I've read, the few... Verses, chapters I've read right here, it's not a quiet place, are you with me? Someone starts talking about the king, and everybody falls on the floor and throws their crowns down. Right? They get up, and someone else says, look at his beauty. They fall down, they throw the crowns down, and they start worshiping. The angels are crying out all the time, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That's going on all the time. Crying out, not saying, Holy, 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 Lord God, who was and is and is to come. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, and glory, and blessing. So what did he receive? What did the lamb receive? He received power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. Now let me help you with this. The word of God says in 1 John, as he is, so are we in the earth. Not as he was. Was Jesus amazing when he was on earth? Absolutely. It does not say, as he was, so are we. And it says, as he is. How is he? He's the lamb that was slain, that's resurrected, that it says here is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He said, You're in me. That's what I desire to pour on you. It's not about those things, it's just inheritance. It's who we are because as he is, so are we in the earth. You see why the enemy wants you to stay away? Why he wants you to write this off? This is for those people who just like to study end times. None of them can agree anyway, so it's just better for you to stay away. You can line up scholars that believe three different things about what the end times are supposed to look like, and they can argue till they're blue in the face, and I don't think one person will come to know Jesus because of it. But if we'll behold the Lamb, if we'll behold the Lamb and understand the price that was paid, not just for us, but for every tongue, every tribe, every nation, and we'll say, God, I want to reveal the Lamb. Because in Him this power riches wisdom strength honor glory and blessing listen and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, what's left out nothing he said everywhere i look the cre- can you hear the creatures in the sea crying out come on somebody I think they could talk before the fall. I think they could talk. The the, the, the serpent talked to Eve. And Balaam's donkey, God touched him and let him talk again. (laughs) Okay, that's all free. (laughs) Every creature, right? I'm just reading the word. Are you with me? Revelation. We're in that book. In the back, the last one. Can't miss it. Revelation chapter 5, verse 13, every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth as such as are in the sea, and all of them I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Who are they praising? They're praising the Lamb because he's the one who was worthy. He's the one who purchased Your salvation, it's the lamb, (laughs) it's the lamb and he's so worthy. It's the lamb that laid down his life and took it up again so that you and I could have life and have it more abundantly. It's the lamb that laid his life down and took it up again so you and I can look in the face of fear and say, you have no authority over me in the name of Jesus, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. I'll not be backed in a corner in fear anymore. Hallelujah to the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We've got to see the lamb. We've got to see the lamb and see the great price that he paid so that no more can we be bound by fear. Tonight, today, it'll be night when I finish. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Today, right now in heaven, they're declaring, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. In heaven, they're declaring, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. I had all 26 scriptures, 25 scriptures from Revelation I was going to read you. But I'm not. Because I encourage you. You know, the Lord's even really ministered to my heart as I've And I've just begun to touch it. As I've begun to lay my eyes on the lamb. I'm telling you, when you see the lamb, fear can't stay. It can't stay. I I don't care what situation. I don't care what circumstance. When you behold the lamb that was slain for you and for me, the blood he shed. The scars in his body to remind all of heaven, here's the price that I pay. When we look at the lamb, we think, what is life anyway? It's a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes away. But a life that's given to the lamb. I'm telling you, these script, it's all that's within me not to read all of them because it talks about the marriage Supper of the Lamb. It talks about the Lamb and His bride. Guess who that is? It's us. That with expectation and joy, He looks to the day that His bride is with Him. For all eternity. And we have the privilege to introducing people who don't even know that they can be the bride to the Lamb of God because of the price that He paid. We can declare worthy, worthy, worthy. And and i tell you again, your testimony is not when you got born again. That's your born-again experience. Your testimony is who is the Lamb of God to you. Don't get nervous. We're not going to change the name of the church to Lamb of God Ministries or anything like that. But I want you to behold the Lamb. I'm telling you, as I've been beholding the Lamb, I I believe with all my heart, as you behold the Lamb's strongholds, addictions, things that you've been dealing with, things that you've tried to get a grasp, as you behold the lamb and the price that he paid, whether it be disappointment and discouragement, whether it be oppression, depression, when you behold the lamb, those things begin to break off. Because the love and the life that's in the lamb is released into us. And nothing can fetter you, nothing can bind you, because the lamb has set you free. And not just us. It's for every nation, every tribe, every tongue. But the ploy of the enemy is to get us so focused on us that we can't see anything past here. That we allow fear to manipulate and control us. And we refuse to step outside of past hurts. We we refuse to step outside of past disappointments, disappointments because what I did last time, I tried and this is what happened. So I'm going to stay. And all the time, you're declaring, he's not worth it. He's not worth it. Not it's not worth it. The lamb, the one, the revelator, was weeping because there was a scroll that he knew something needed to be done with and no one could do it. But then came the lamb. So no matter how hopeless or helpless a situation may look, He's the Lamb of God that conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he can give victory in that area.